Welcome to Focused, a productivity podcast about more than just cranking widgets. I'm David Sparks and joined by Mr. Mike Schmitz. Hello, Mike. Hey, David. How's it going? Good. Thanks for asking. You know, we're at the end of the year. It's always kind of a nice, you know, we're recording this the week between Christmas and New Year. It's always kind of a nice week to reflect and kind of think forward. And this one's going to hit the airwaves right at the new year. So uh, I'm looking forward to making this episode for the focused audience. Yeah, I know there's this concept of like the episodes recorded uh, in time. And it never really hits me except for this one when we record it before the end of the year and it releases after the, the beginning yeah. of the next year. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I, I really kind of feel like um, the best time to do New Year plan is probably after New Year anyway. Um, and I guess it just depends on your schedule. Right. But the um, but there's always so many things going on with the holidays. I feel like you can't really focus in on on the hard work of planning uh, while, you know, you've got relatives visiting and parties to go to and all that stuff. Yep. I agree. So the, the weird timing of this recording slash release actually fits perfect for the approach that I think we're going to take to, uh, to this episode where we are going to first kind of look back at 2023 and think about what happened and what kind of lessons can we learn from uh, the last 12 months. And then uh, the second half of this, we're going to be looking forward to 2024. So uh, those things are kind of bookends. They go hand in hand. Last time, I think we did this in separate episodes, but this time uh, we're going to combine them into one. Yeah. And boy, 2023, what a year for you, huh? <laughs> uh, that's an understatement. Yeah. <laughs> I guess I could, I could kick it off there if you uh, want to jump in right away. Nothing else we want to cover in the beginning here, but 2023 was supposed to be the year of stabilization for me. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I think I'd like to call a mulligan on that. <laughs> I uh, was going into 2023 with a uh, a day job that I really believed this was going to be a, a long-term thing for me and uh, was looking forward to how I was going to fit in the creative side stuff around that full-time day job. And uh, I was trying to find a, a new rhythm for things and uh, instead, what happened was, as I got further along in that first quarter of the year, kind of realized that long term, it was not a great fit for me and uh, felt the the itch to go independent. I think I shared this before, but kind of the thing that kind of sealed the deal was uh, my kids are getting older and I tell them you can do anything. And uh, I wanted to it became evident to me that I really needed to model that. Like I needed to take a take a take my shot, and if it didn't work out, I could figure things out. I could go get a, another job. Um, still not out of the woods, but we're making progress. So uh, yeah, I decided to do that in the middle of my year of of stabilization, which made it anything but stable. <laughs> That's funny, you know. That played a role for me when I left the firm, you know, because I I went independent as a lawyer for several years. But when I left the firm. I was I found myself increasingly unhappy with kind of my work situation and that really weighed on me cuz I knew I brought that home with me to a certain extent and I didn't really want to put that on my kids. I didn't want them to have to deal with me like that and um and that really was a big motivator for me as well at the time. Yeah, uh I looking back like is there anything that I would have changed about the way that I did it? Um I think I probably in the sense of uh, a productivity sense, um, 
I left a little bit too early. Uh, I probably should have built up more of a, a runway. Um, just the way I'm wired, though, the minute that I knew I couldn't put everything into that day job, I felt like I couldn't, uh, I couldn't show up and pretend that I was going to fulfill that role for any length of time. So I probably made it a little bit harder on myself than I needed to, but I'm still happy that I made the decision. I feel like it was the the right decision. Uh, as I mentioned, there's some some progress there. So I feel like in a in a year from now, it's going to be a very different situation. It's still a struggle, and uh, I appreciate the the support that you've given me and kind of sharing the the stuff that you went through when when you made the the decision. Uh, kind of makes me feel like what I'm going through isn't abnormal. Uh, it's just part of the the process, um, but. All in all, uh, I'm pretty proud of what I was able to accomplish, even in the middle of a, a pivoted year. You know, I did make the the switch from a a day job as an integrator to a full time content creator. And when I did that, I really didn't know what I was going to uh, to do. I had a whole bunch of side things, like I've done the the video courses for like the personal retreat course and had the life theme uh, idea for a while. I decided to turn that into a, a cohort. Obsidian University was something that I created from scratch. Uh, I started a YouTube channel. I mean, there were a lot of things that weren't part of the plan when I initially made that decision. And so I, I felt like last year was really more of a year of exploration, uh, which is in direct contrast to the the stated theme or, or words for the year. Uh, stability wasn't the only one, um, but there was uh, there were several others around that that idea where it's just, okay, now that we've got the key pieces, let's just figure out how to make them fit together. And then in the middle, you know, I, I blew it all up. Uh, I'm glad that I did that though, because I learned a lot of things. Uh, the YouTube channel in particular, YouTube was never something that I was, uh, I mean, I kind of saw the, the, the potential of YouTube, but it was always intimidating to me. So when I was kind of forced to, to try that, it was really uncomfortable. But also I discovered that uh, it was actually very rewarding as well. And uh, that's that's going well. I'm in the, the YouTube partner program after a couple of months now. So uh, that's that's great. And it's uh, contributing to the email signups, which are going to fuel the, the Obsidian uh, University cohorts and, and all that kind of stuff. But it's just kind of, as I look back on 2023, it's kind of shocking to me how many things I'm doing right now that were not even on the radar at the beginning of the year. Makes you wonder what's going to be like in a year, doesn't it? Well, I hope that this is enough of the uh, the the drastic changes for a while. We'll we'll talk about that when we get to <laughs> words for, for 2024, but uh, I kind of maybe gave it away a little bit already by asking for a mulligan. <laughs> Um, I feel like uh, there's this natural rhythm to, I'm going to say life, but I think especially, especially for creators where you have this uh, divergence where you're just collecting a whole bunch of data points, trying a whole bunch of things. And then eventually you figure out this is the thing that I should be focusing on right now. And so then there's the convergence. We kind of talked about this a little bit with uh, Justin Kana in the last episode. So I feel like the it's time to focus on the convergence instead of the divergence. And yeah, that was the goal at the beginning of 2023 too, but uh, the full-time creator was a, a force changed into the divergence mode. Um, however, you know, I've 
I don't want to add a whole bunch of new projects. I want to do the the projects that I've got going a, a little bit better, and we'll talk more about that in a, a little bit. But 2023 was uh, definitely uh, not according to to plan. I mean, even the stuff that I am continuing to do was not necessarily <laughs> according to plan. Um, for listeners of Bookworm, uh, the last episode that got published, Joe left the show. So I got to figure out what to do with that. The one thing I do know is that I do want to keep the show going. So I don't know. I, I'm, I'm rethinking about how all these different pieces fit together, which sounds a lot like the conversation we were having last year. Uh, but it's a little bit more exciting to me this year because all of the things that I am going to be considering are things that I really want to be doing. That's it, not because there's a financial reward uh, attached to these things. These are things like the the podcast that I do and the the, the cohorts. I mean, I, if money was no issue, this is what I would be doing. So now it's just solving the the money equation. And like I said, we're making progress there, but still some work to be done. It really is quite a transformation for you this year. I, I When you were saying earlier, it would have been better if you'd waited a little longer before making the leap. I remember talking to you at the time. There was no option for that. You were 100% yep. in. And you needed, you know, the, the boat was leaving the harbor, whether or not you liked that. And, uh, I felt like that was just the way it was going to be for you. So I, I have full faith that a year from now you'll be in even better shape, uh, uh, financially, but also just creatively. I think you're going to have a much better idea of the things that you want to focus on. Yep. I agree. And I like that analogy that you shared about the boat leaving the, the station. Cause that is exactly what it felt like the boat was leaving and was I going to jump on it or not? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I felt like I just, I needed to, to make the leap. And the more I, I, I read about this kind of stuff and I hear other people's stories. Um, I feel like that's the picture a lot of people have in their heads, uh, uh, ahead of time is it is going to be this leap. But I think the, the practical advice is, you know, the less leaping you have to do, the better, if you're able to build up the thing on the side and then just step over onto that thing, uh, that would be the, the better way to do it. So that's kind of what I meant by by that comment. Uh, I, I didn't give myself uh, a whole lot of uh, affordance for if I really messed this up, but maybe in some sense that was good for me. Maybe I needed to just burn the boats and yeah, give myself no other option in order to really make it work. Well, I mean, I I did that that if that first approach. I took a long time in in making a decision and uh, really didn't resisted it for a long time internally as well as externally but the um and and then as a result i lost years of you know trying to do both things at, at the same time so we all kind of choose our choose our poison for me uh, i had chosen the word last year of intentionality but to tell you the truth i'm not a big fan of this word of the year approach and i know it works great for a lot of people mike and, and gray are really into it and but it just for some reason doesn't work with me. It it seems like a fun exercise, but it doesn't, it's not like the thing I think about when I wake up every day. I already have something I think about when I wake up every day, you know, as my foundation and it's not a word for the year. It, to the best extent, I like these kinds of word things. It's more of a quarterly thing of like, okay, what's the big thing I want to work on in the next 90 days? Um, but intentionality to me at the same time is always the challenge and the goal. Um, I feel like, um, thinking about intentionality as a method in your life is something that can really help you be more intentional and get more out of it. And 
work on the right things. I think it solves a lot of problems if you can become more intentional. So, you know, that to the extent I had a word, that was it last year, and I feel like I did a pretty good job with it. The challenge I was facing last year as we talked was I was tired of transition. You know, I had given up being a lawyer a year earlier, but it wasn't like throwing a switch. You know, there was still lawyer stuff that kind of pulled over into the following year um, that needed to be taken care of. And the, you know, just getting my life, you know, kind of turned around the idea that now I'm a full-time teacher, creator, or whatever. And then I decided to add a room onto the house to do a better job of it. So it felt very much like a, a transitionary year. And last year, about this time, I was tired of transition. I felt like enough, right? Just make stuff, stop doing all this transition stuff, stop using that as an excuse. And I would say that I I got past that. I mean, I, I don't feel like I'm in transition at all anymore now. It's just a question of of making things, you know, kind of the big goal when I left the law practice was to be uh, more focused on making better things as Max Sparky. And I feel like I'm largely doing that. Um, so... To that extent, it's it's been a successful year for me. I don't know if intentionality is the right word for me, but it's uh, I'm definitely in a production mode at this point, and I'm making stuff again. Well, I like the word intentionality. I think you can definitely uh, apply that to uh, what you've done the, this year, but maybe you could apply that to what you do every year, too. I think it's one of those generalizable things. Yeah, exactly. I, I agree with you. Just a, a small... Uh, diversion here around you mentioned that you don't really like the words for the year. I, I think I agree with you where I'm not necessarily picking this is one word for the year and everything has to fit in here as evidenced by I completely blew mine up in the middle of of last year. But what they do is they if you are able to pick some some words or some some boundaries, some themes and full credit to uh, Mike and, and Gray with the the theme system journal, if you really want to go all in with a single theme, that's a great resource in order to do that. But really what you need is you need something that's going to kind of direct your focus. So this is what I should be paying attention to. And everything else is not as important at best or at worst, even a, a distraction that's going to pull me away from this. And it's very flexible. It's supposed to be very fluid. But really, that's what you want is something that's going to provide a little bit of structure. It's kind of like time blocking where you can execute the intention that you have set to go back to your your word there without having to feel overwhelmed with all of these other things that you you should be doing. So uh, you can kind of craft your own system with this. And I think maybe a year is is probably too long. So we've got the focus calendar and it's broken up into those quarters. You know, I really do believe that that 90 day period is, is there's something magical about that. But uh, also one thing we talked about in that uh, previous episode where we talked about our approach to, to thinking about the, the year, there is something about turning the page at the end of a, a calendar year too, which I think is a little bit longer time horizon um, so that the same sort of approach can can work here as well. Uh, you want to be able to go back and forth between, you know, what am I doing today and how does that connect to the long-term stuff, not just with 90 days or with a year, but even five years or even lifetime, you know, to go to your Arte concept. Uh, how are the things that I'm doing really helping me live out this ideal version of my life and become the best version of the the person that I am meant to be? Uh, that's really what all this stuff is in in service of. If it doesn't work for you, then you know, feel free to to flex it or change it. Yeah, and that's where I think the theme system is at its best is giving you a framework to make decisions. 
like say, okay, this year I'm going to be more minimalist or this year I'm going to be more exploratory or whatever. And that gives you a framework as other decisions in different contexts arrive in front of you. But I, I think at that part of the end is where you nail it for me is like, to me, the, the focus is the arate. It's the becoming the best version of myself in my various roles. And I put a ton of energy into that. And, and that is where my brain goes when I'm trying to decide how to make, how do I make a decision? Well, to me, it's tied to arate definitions and roles. And so I kind of have a built-in system for it. Um, it does alter over time, but it doesn't, it's just a little different structure than, than the word of the year. And, and so, you know, I, I pick one often when we do these shows, but honestly, like, I don't really have one to me. It's, it's mainly, I want to do better at my arate next year, but intentionality is a great way it's something that I can always work on and always get better at and not be scatterbrained and I, and just be more focused on what's in front of me. And, and I think that is one of the keys to a good life. And uh, that's something I'm always trying to get better at. So to a certain extent, that's always my word of the year, but I'm not really sure I'm even in the, in the game on word of the year, <laughs> but uh, getting back to the problem uh, this year became much more about production I got a field guide out, a new field guide out with Obsidian, and I've got the, a new one releasing we're going to talk about in the next show, Productivity Field Guide. Um, so it's like some things that were big targets on my thing got done. Um, we had uh, a lot going on in the family this year that took a lot of time, and I was able to be there for those at the same time, keep my uh, Max Sparky stuff going just fine, and... Um, I even found more time this year for craft, which I hadn't done in a long time. So I feel like I'm kind of on the right track. And uh, so 2023 overall was a pretty good year for me. Nice. And then you did something, it sounds like, in uh, Q4, which is uh, tied maybe not deliberately to this intentionality theme, but I think there's intentionality benefits to this. You want to talk us through your tools audit? I went through and... Uh, I got itchy about my tool sets and decided, you know, I should go through and look at everything. And part of this is because of my job as Max Sparky. I'm constantly advising people on, you know, good workflows and tools and uh, some tools I'd been using forever. I've been using OmniFocus for 15 years. So it's like, I, I wanted to go through and really deep dive on some of the other options out there. And so did some of the things, same thing with email workflows. And I spent a bunch of time on that and I could, I could definitely associate that with unintentionality, you know, spending days at a time looking at other tools, uh, thinking, well, does this make me a little more efficient or, or not? And, uh, however, for what I do and the stuff I cover in the max market labs, it's actually quite useful because it gives me a way to teach people to use other tools. Um, but I thought it was funny cause I went through that whole thing. And at the end I felt like I was still pretty happy with my original tool set <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and you know, something I think to, to be aware of if you're listening to the show, I think tools can quite often become a big distraction when you're trying to become more productive. It's like, Oh yeah, something that can make me 2% more productive. I should, you know, spend a hundred, you know, percent of my day for three days switching over to get that 2%. It just doesn't work. Uh, honestly, um, one of the things I'm coming to conclude at this point, at the end of 2023, is there are so many good tools now uh, where that hasn't always been the case. I feel like productivity tools a few years ago, there were a few good ones and a lot of cruddy ones. And now there's just so many good ones that there isn't necessarily a 
a perfect right tool set. It's just find one that generally you like and just go get back to being productive and don't worry about the tool so much. So it was just kind of an interesting thing at the end of the year. I put it in the outline because I thought it was funny that I had a good intentional year, but in the last quarter, I, I was quite unten- unintentional as I did that little tools audit. Well, I like the idea of the the tools audit. And uh, I, I also like the compartmentalization that you kind of put it in by doing it at the end of the year. But I feel like even though you didn't change tools by doing the audit, that's still a win because you've established in your mind that these are the right tools for the jobs that I've hired them to do. And that reduces the friction when you are actually making the the stuff. And it's something that I think everyone should do at, at some point. And if you don't do it, I think that's kind of where the danger zone is because that's where the shiny new object syndrome kicks in. It's like, well, I know the stuff that I'm using maybe isn't the right stuff but I've never really stopped to unpack why that is. And so you're constantly kind of scanning the horizon for the next new shiny. Oh, maybe this thing is the thing that's going to allow me to be superhuman productive. And that's never the case. And you know, something I did with that, that I would recommend is when you, if you do a tools audit, if you start, even if you decide I want to compare this email app to that email app and you try them both, um, write down your findings, what you liked and disliked, put it down somewhere. So then later, if you get tempted, you can go back and read that and save yourself the trouble of doing it again. And it really makes a difference to write it down. And because it was a tools audit, I did that in Apple's free form app, you know, which is kind of their big canvas app that they have now. And like, I discovered that's something Freeform is actually pretty good at, like just kind of exploring ideas and thoughts and, uh, and so I actually have a big free form where I did my tools audit. And, and now as I go through and look at new tools, I write them down, add them to the document. Nice. I love it. I have a similar version of that that I did. Of course, it's in Obsidian using yeah, Obsidian sure. Canvas. Um, but I, I basically thought through using the, the PKM stack model because that really is, is clicking with me. You know, the information, the ideas, action, philosophy, and then reflection to force the perspective from the top down. What are all of the habits and workflows that I have in relation to those different levels? And what are the apps that I am using to accomplish those, those things in those different, uh, different roles? And uh, I will uh, share a, an image here in the, uh, the show notes. Um, but essentially what I did is I, I broke down the PKM stack and then I put next to it all the roles. And next to that, I have the icons for the apps that I am uh, using with these. All right. So I shared this with you in, uh, in messages. Yeah. And um, uh, essentially, you know, this provided a, a whole bunch of clarity. And in the upper right, I even thought through, like, what's the simplest version of this actually look like? What are the essential tools that you really need if you were going to just start over from, from scratch? And uh, this has provided a, a a lot of clarity, and it may look like a lot to to people who uh, have uh, just glancing at the image. But all of these things uh, have a essential place in the the workflow, which has been developed over years and years. Honestly, things like the life theme, the core values, the habits and the routines, yeah, mind maps, sketch notes. Like this is all stuff that I've been doing for a long time, uh, but by figuring out how they all tie together, it makes it real clear where I should be drawing the the lines. And the next time I see a fancy new app, I don't have to con- think about, well, 
where does that fit in terms of the the workflow and in, in like adding new functionality and what does that do to all the additional pieces? I've kind of thought about all of the the core things here. Yeah. And uh, it's just what role does this does this slide into? And does it do that job better than the the currently hired app to to do that? Yeah. And I think you're right that at this point we don't need a whole bunch of new tools. We need to use the tools that we have better. And kind of that's the thing that inspired this is Cal Newport is uh, you look on the surface, all the books that he writes, plus he's a college professor, all these other things that he does. He's a really productive guy and he uses plain text files. He has one called working memory where he just jots down all the things that he's thinking about. And he has a couple like simple lists that he works off of. It's, it's kind of crazy. You know, he doesn't have a crazy task manager, but he's able to get a lot done. And so that's kind of what I want to do with this is not constantly be looking for something new that maybe has some new technical capabilities, but how do I get more out of the tools that I'm already invested in? This episode of Focused is brought to you by Vitaly. Customer success teams today are facing a problem. How do they connect customer data back to their work? And Vitaly is the answer by allowing you to provide a better experience for your customers. Vitaly is a new kind of customer success platform. It's an all-in-one collaborative workspace that combines your customer data with all the capabilities that you expect from today's project management and work platforms. Vitaly is designed for today's customer success team, and that's why Vitaly operates with unparalleled efficiency, improves net revenue retention, and delivers best-in-class customer experiences. It's the solution to helping your customer success team keep a better pulse on your customers, which maximizes productivity, visibility, and collaboration. You can boost your bottom line by driving more revenue per customer with Vitaly while also providing a better experience for your customers. And if you take a qualified demo of Vitaly, you can get a free pair of AirPods Pro headphones. So if you're a customer success decision maker who's actively seeking CS solutions, working at a B2B software as a service company with 50 to 1,000 employees, and you're willing to explore changing customer success platforms if you already have one in place, then schedule your call by visiting vitally.io slash focused to get that free pair of AirPods Pro when you schedule a qualified meeting. That's vitally.io slash focused for a free pair of AirPods Pro when you schedule a qualified meeting. Our thanks to Vitally for their support of the Focus podcast and all of Relay FM. Okay, Mike. Uh, we've covered the past. Let's talk about the future. We're heading into a new year. Have you given it much thought? You know, what, what's your big theme for the year and how are you going to pull it off? Yeah. Well, uh, as, like I mentioned, I, I think essentially I want a do over from last year. <laughs> uh, I feel like this should be the year that I'm trying to stabilize things <laughs> because uh, I have an idea now from uh, a bunch of different experiments. Um, that I know what is actually worth doing uh, when it comes to my creative projects. And uh, there are a bunch of things that I am currently doing uh, because I was in a, a divergence mode where let's let's figure out what is actually going to stick. Let's throw a whole bunch of spaghetti at the wall. You know, that's, that's kind of the approach I, I was in for a little while. Um, I have some clarity now on what are the things that I need to to stop doing from that. And then the things that are worth continuing to do, I want to figure out how to do those better. And better could be quality or better could be just that there's going to be better processes which are going to make doing those things a little bit easier. 
the big thing as I think about stabilization for me in 2024, uh, the thing that I think is going to be the biggest contributor to that is going to be focusing on the email list and uh, also related to that is the focus on the YouTube channel. Those things aren't directly connected, but the way that I have approached YouTube, I basically share all this stuff about Obsidian. I had a, a video I published last week on building a quote book inside of Obsidian, which sounds kind of straightforward, but it's a combination of like a beta plugin, a custom CSS snippet, plus some basic search functionality. And people like that kind of stuff. So I walk through how to build that and then Always at the end of the videos, I have those resources are bundled inside of a uh, a starter vault that people can download for free. So I'm basically showing something, and then if you want to download it, you sign up for the email list, you get the the, the zip file, and you can just download that, open it up as a new vault, and and play around with the the stuff yourself. So that's working really well. I've been doing that the last couple of months, and uh, I want to kind of double down on that. Uh, what I mean by that is. Like with the YouTube videos, it's been a struggle to get one out a week. I did did it consistently for a while. I think that's what I would like my cadence to be eventually. But uh, there were other things that took precedence over that. Things that have been firmly established in a schedule like recording and publishing Focus, recording and uh, publishing Bookworm. If I'm going to be building the email list, I know that I need to take the newsletter seriously. So I've been sending a newsletter every week. Uh, and those things needed to be in place before I could figure out you know, where are the bottlenecks in terms of the, the YouTube production. But that's uh, essentially where the focus is, is going to be, is on the, the YouTube and the, the email. And again, like this is working, so I know that this is uh, fallow ground, I guess. Like that I will get fruit from this effort if I take the additional time and uh, attention and focus on it. Um, as an example, I mean, I, uh, just to encourage someone else who may be where I was, you know, when I decided to go off on my own, I kind of had an email list, but I really wasn't doing anything with it. And I think it was like 2000 people. And after I started sending emails regularly, it went down because uh, I haven't been sending emails and people are like, who's this guy that's emailing me now? So it was like 1700 <laughs> when I started, uh, started the YouTube channel. And then uh, since then, it's basically doubled in size. It's almost 3,400 people. So uh, I know that I am able to do that well. People are getting value from it, which is why they, they stick around. And you can look at some of the stats, like the, the open rates and the click-through rates and the unsubscribes and all that kind of stuff. Figure out, you know, are you actually delivering on the promises? And I think, I think that I am. So I just want to continue to do that uh, a little bit better. If you're subscribed to my newsletter, you'll notice that uh, I've tried to take it up a, a notch in the last couple of weeks. There's some different sections and things like that. So that's the kind of stuff that I want to focus on in uh, 2024. And kind of related to that are these systems. So I know that creativity is a system. As a creator, that means that everything that I do is part of a system. Even if you don't realize it, even if you think like you're just reacting to this flash of inspiration that you got. And that's the thing that caused you to sit down and write the, the script or publish the blog post or the, uh, the podcast episode, whatever it is. Uh, but I've been doing it long enough that I realized that if I collect better dots, eventually that comes out. And by being forced to produce on a schedule for the podcast and things, 
Um, I, I know that I can do that as long as I am focusing on the inputs and not the outputs. Well, that's the creative piece, but there's still a whole bunch of business systems that I know how to fix them, just haven't had the 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 focus, I'll say, because it, it's not really an issue of, of time. It's kind of the, the chicken and the egg scenario there where you don't have the time because you're busy doing the, the processes, but the processes are inefficient. So you don't have the time to fix the processes, you know? So eventually you just got to say, I'm going to take the time and I'm going to fix this thing and make it a little bit more efficient. And then I'm going to move on to the, the next system. So I've got a long list of, of things that I want to uh, dial in, in terms of the, the business systems. And then, uh, kind of a system for my sanity <laughs> is, uh, the idea of sabbaticals. I am committing right now to this. Uh, this is kind of a weird season for me. We're recording this between Christmas and, and New Year's. And uh, right before Christmas, my wife caught COVID. Uh, she's doing okay. She's on the mend. Never really had the super serious symptoms, but she's been isolating and I've been stay-at-home dad with five kids and I have a greater appreciation for everything that she does. Let's just say that. A <laughs> uh, little bit exhausting, but uh, I also recognize that I have been so focused on all of the creator stuff that I've had to do that uh, I've been pretty close to the point where I have that picture you talked about running downhill and you're almost falling on your face. Well, I feel like this was the moment where I fell on my face um, and I've had to reach out to some people and be like, hey, you know, I'm not going to be able to get this thing done on time. Got to push this back a week. I hate doing that, but I've had to do that recently. and. Uh, I am committed to uh, avoiding burnout, essentially, by building in these sabbaticals to my my calendar. Uh, I am doing them every eight weeks, like Sean McCabe talked to us about when he was on a show back in the day. And uh, I'm not sure exactly if I'm going to, if they're going to be firm on those dates or not. I'm going to try, do everything that I can. But I feel like Projecting out every eight weeks for the entire year at this point, I have no idea what the next uh, 12 months are actually going to look like. So I've, I feel like the the uh, commitment I'm willing to make right now is that these are going to happen roughly every eight weeks. I'll never cancel a sabbatical, but I may move it. But they're on my calendar right now. Every eight weeks, Mike is out. And uh, I know that there's some some things I need to put into to place in order to continue to send the newsletters on those weeks, for example, and um, have to maybe cover some things in terms of the the podcast or the other creative projects of City University, things like that. But all the cohorts that I do, those can fit around those sabbaticals easy enough. I just need to uh, start with the the sabbaticals, put that in the jar first. And I'm committed to doing that this year because that every eighth week, uh, having that space, I feel like Ultimately, that is going to be a big help in the long run. I've seen it working with the with the Blanc Media team, uh, and I just haven't taken the the time to implement anything like that. Um, and the the trigger point for me was realizing that in the back of my mind, I've been saying, "Well, when we get to Christmas break, that's when I'll I'll slow down. That's when I'll recharge." Well, I didn't get that opportunity. <laughs> so what do I do? Wait till next Christmas where I can take some time off? I'm not willing to to do that. I, I realize that I need to build in a regular cadence of rest into my uh, my rhythms if I really want to be able to uh, to be a prolific creator uh, for a, a long time, which which I definitely want to. So those are my uh, my three words, themes, whatever you want to call it. 
uh, at the beginning of 2024, stabilization systems and sabbaticals. That's a lot, man. That's a lot. All right. I want to, I want to go in reverse order, uh, starting with sabbaticals. I, uh, I love that you're doing this and, uh, I'm kind of jealous when I saw it in the outline. I'm like, yeah, I really should do this too. Like as we hit the end of the year, I managed to get sick as well. And, uh, but I think it was just because I kind of wore myself out. I was finishing up the productivity field guide and doing family stuff and blah, blah, blah. And I've been sick the last week and a half. So, yeah, I, I like the idea of built-in downtime. I think that um, even from a selfish productivity standpoint, the idea of built-in downtime probably means I come up with better ideas uh, for everything. Uh, but then also, I do get a lot of downtime. I mean, we do stuff as a family together a lot. I mean, I track my family time, and they get a good chunk of me. Um, but the, uh, you know, the sabbatical thing, I'll tell you – so now it's about me, I guess. But the, you know what I am um, like, we have one car. So like for me to say, I'm going to take a sabbatical and go up into the mountains or whatever. It's like, she needs her car to get to work. So what do I do? Get on a bus and go up. I mean, it's the same thing <laughs> with the, with the quarterly offsite retreat. They're hard because there's some logistics about it. Right. Yeah. And I really struggle with that. Um, uh, I think I'm getting to a point where I probably could take some some downtime days. You know, I don't have legal clients anymore, and and the the Max Sparky business is getting to a point where I could plan to have days off and and not work. But the um, but logistically, it's it's difficult. Yeah, and that's really what I mean by the, by that is the the days off from work. Sabbatical sounds fancy. It sounds like you're going to another country for a couple of months or something like that. Uh, that's not what I mean. It's a forced break from the creative work. And I really believe that with creativity specifically, if you're exhausted, uh, if your brain is tired, it's harder to create. And yeah, you can force yourself to to do it, but I don't think that's sustainable in the the long run. So really, I just mean that during this week, I am not going to pre-plan any work projects. It doesn't mean that I can't do anything work-wise there, but I like to borrow Sean's like hard, fast rule, nothing is going to get scheduled there. So when I go into that week, there are no commitments. And if I feel like cranking out a video course during that week, then I can do that, but it's not required. It's scheduled for when I come back. Um, and really that's kind of the, the protected space where I can play with things and I can just kind of noodle on things and ultimately just have fun with things. Uh, I feel like when you have fun and you stay curious, that's really where the insights come anyways. So I really think that once I start doing this regularly, it's actually going to provide a, a source of inspiration for when I come back from those sabbaticals, but I need to not just take a day. I need to protect that, that whole week because the first couple days knowing myself, it's hard for me to let go. I'm not really in the, the mode yet. And by building it into the, the schedule, uh, I feel like that's the only way that I can do it consistently. If I just, well, yeah, you know, I'll, I'll schedule the next one when I get there. No, it's, it's not going to happen. There's going to be too much work to do. And I'm going to convince myself that I just can't do it right now. So it's already on the calendar through the end of the year. 
I love that, and I'm very inspired. I'm going to go back and read. I have a bunch of tabs from Sean that I've saved. Every time I, I start thinking about this, I'm going to go read them in the next week, and maybe maybe I'll join you. We'll see. I'm not going to commit right now, but I, I, I do like the idea. You make a good point. I can take a sabbatical without having to get in a car and drive away. The other thing is, how are you going to deal with that? Like when you have vacations planned, are you still going to have a sabbatical in that two month period, or is that going to be your sabbatical, your vacation? That'll probably be my sabbatical. I'll move yeah. the the yeah. closest one so it coincides with that. But ultimately, you know, we don't go on vacation all that often, and uh, whenever we do, I'm in a different mode than just relaxing at home. Yeah. <laughs> So I feel like I need a vacation for my vacation sometimes. <laughs> that sounds ridiculous. No, no it's common. Yeah. 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 So this is going to give me, I believe, the the margin that I, I need to really be effective as a creator. Okay. Well, I, I like that. Inspiring. Um, stabilization again. Yes. I think this is, uh, you do get your mulligan. Uh, you turned the the table upside down last year. I think you do need a year to, to stabilize. But I, I can see just as your friend from the outside with your email, uh, the quality of your email and the things you're doing, I think you are going to find a spot where you become stable. I think that's inevitable. So long as you just keep at it, I think you're doing the right, you're making all the right moves. Thank you. For me, uh, I just want to continue to do the stuff I'm doing, but better and more efficiently <laughs> and with more intentionality. Um, I feel right now, which is always a dangerous thing, right? Where I feel like I kind of know what I need to be doing. Um, that's usually when the things start getting turned upside down on you is when you think you know what you should be doing. But for me, uh, right now, I want to make great stuff for the people in the labs. I want to make great field guides. I want to make great podcasts. You know, that's kind of how I pay for my shoes, but also how I um, fulfill my my arate, you know, to, to go and help people get better at this stuff. So, uh, right now I have a huge focus on just doing those things at my best possible quality. And I feel like I made a lot of progress. You know, the, the reason I, I spent all this money on this room and, and some of the other stuff I've been doing, um, is so I can deliver a better product and I want to keep doing that. You know, that's, uh, it's funny cause I'm in my mid fifties, but I feel like I'm doing my best work right now. And I, I really just want to keep doing more of it. I'm, I feel like, and I'm in a really good groove right now. And, uh, so I'm, I'm very happy. Uh, a couple things I'd like to improve on going into 2024. One of them for me is, is a public YouTube presence, you know, and you, you talked about this as well, but, uh, I've made something like in the last two years, 300 YouTube videos, but they've all been shared with labs members under private links, you know, uh, but I'm, I've got pretty good at making YouTube videos. I want to make more that don't go to labs members. You know, I want to do some stuff that's public as well. And I meant to do that in the last year, but just between a variety of things going on in my life, that was the thing that got thrown overboard because I knew I didn't have time to do it properly but I feel like I'm in a good spot heading into January, 2024 that I can start like making time to make some public videos too. And, you know, labs members are still going to get the lion's share of the stuff I create, but you know, I want to share stuff publicly as well. So that's something that I'm looking to improve upon in 2024. Nice. Well, I think uh, you've got all the pieces for uh, a killer YouTube channel. 
Uh, I will say, because I've gone through Ali Abdal's part-time YouTuber Academy, so a little bit of free public advice for anybody else who's thinking about starting a YouTube channel. Uh, it is a little bit different because essentially the the uh, approach has to be in terms of the algorithm and what people want to see. That doesn't mean that you're having to go all overboard with the crazy YouTube thumbnails and the clickbaity titles, but uh, essentially it's uh, not enough just to make the high quality stuff. You have to make it in a way that it's discoverable, but I think that uh, you have the the materials uh, all right right there. And uh, one of the things I like about YouTube is that the algorithm uh, essentially is incentivized to work in the creator's favor. If you make good stuff, then people will find it and they'll watch it. And YouTube is incentivized to keep showing it to to more people. So I wholeheartedly endorse this uh, <laughs> this intention for 2024. Looking forward to what you're able to to make there. Yeah, it just seems like something I'd like to add to the mix. You know, it's it's a curiosity to me more than anything else. I'm not looking to become the next Ali Abdal, but I uh, I would like to to share some stuff publicly as well. And I think that's something that I absolutely have the bandwidth to do now. As you know, we hit this point. I mean, one of the things people, uh, a lot of my fellow creators are like, you know, telling me, "Hey, you you make so much stuff," you know, and. Uh, because we do put a lot of content into the labs and, and I make three podcasts and all this. But the thing people don't realize is I used to be a lawyer. I mean, the stuff I used to have to do as a lawyer, this is like child's play compared. So I don't feel overworked or overstressed. Although hitting the end of the year and getting sick just really makes me think more seriously about the idea of sabbaticals and maybe a little more controlled time off. The, the the other thing I want to do more of this year on a personal note is I really want to spend more downtime creating. Um, I spent a lot of time and effort kind of getting this wood shop set up. Um, I just bought some glass cutting tools. You know, I found a deal on some used glass cutting tools. It's like, so now I'll be able to make stained glass. Um, I've got a 3D printer. I've got a laser cutter. I've got a, a nice supply of hand tools. And it's like, I like the idea that in the evenings I can just go out there and make something with my hands at will. And, um, and I want to do more of that this year. So I'm really looking forward to that. I, I'm in a pretty good place right now, except for the fact that I'm not a hundred percent right now. I'm feeling a little, little sick, but yeah, it's all good for me. The The other thing that I, uh, I want to work at in 2024 is my health. I, I've been doing uh, Pilates and, and exercise a lot more the last few months, but then me getting sick the last couple of weeks is kind of, put a hitch in my giddy up. So I, I need to get back on the horse there as soon as I'm feeling a little better. Nice. I like the idea of the stained glass. Uh, I could totally see a stained glass window in indoor studios. <laughs> well, I just, I, I want, there's a piece of furniture I want to make that would have some stained glass in it. I was thinking, well, I'd have to fi find someone that can make it for me. And then I started reading about stained glass and it's not that hard because especially the kind of stuff I want to do is largely geometric. So a lot of straight cuts. And I'm like, well, if I can cut wood, I can cut glass. So, and, um, and I found a, a local guy who was kind of hanging it up. He didn't want to do it anymore. So for a good deal, I got some, some used equipment and, um, that's something else I'll probably be doing the next year. We'll see. I, I don't know. I, I, I'm a very creative person and, uh, that's not, that's not meant to be like a humble brag, but I just, I really like making things that to me is like a drug. And, uh, 
I'm always looking for ways to do it, whether it's with words or with my hands. Well, I think it's important. You know, it reminds me of something that Sean Blanc said when he was on the show that if you work with your head, you rest with your hands. That's what it seems like you're doing. It, so it is a form of creating, but it's not exercising the same muscles. It's not depleting. It's actually restorative, putting words in your mouth here. but Yeah, no, it is. Same thing with playing music. I mean, all of these things, it's like you're using different zones of your brain, but all of them are trying to make something. And, uh, and I find that quite enjoyable. To me, that's like the ultimate expression of humanness is the act of creation. That, you know, as a human, that's something that we have. Like my dog doesn't sit around and think about making a painting or designing furniture, but the human animal does, right? Mm -hmm. So I think the more we do that, the more we get in touch. This episode of the Focus Podcast is brought to you by Nom Nom. With healthy, fresh food for dogs formulated by top board-certified veterinary nutritionists, prepare it in their kitchens with free delivery to your door. Get 50% off. Just go to trynom.com slash focused. Don't settle when it comes to your dog's health. Switch to real, gently cooked dog food with ingredients you can actually see. Nutrient-packed recipes designed by board-certified veterinary nutritionists Freshly made and delivered to your door. Nom Nom delivers freshly made dog food with every portion personalized to your dog's needs so you can bring out their best. And it's all made with real wholesome ingredients you can see and recognize without any additives or fillers that contribute to bloating and low energy. That's because Nom Nom uses the latest science and insights to make real good food for dogs. The nutrient-packed recipes are designed by board-certified veterinary nutritionists Freshly made and shipped free to your door. My dog is a picky eater. She is really difficult to get to eat. Well, that was true until we brought in Nom Nom. She loves her Nom Nom. And we know that we're giving her a healthy, nutritious meal every time. And every time the bowl is licked clean. It's just really solved the problem of getting our dog to eat. And she's healthier and has more energy to boot. Nom Nom has already delivered over 40 million meals to good dogs like yours, inspiring millions of clean bowls and tail wags. Plus, Nom Nom comes with a money-back guarantee. If your dog's tail isn't wagging within 30 days, Nom Nom will refund your first order. No fillers, no nonsense, just Nom Nom. Go right now and get 50% off your no-risk two-week trial at trynom.com focus. That's T-R-Y-N-O-M dot com slash focused for 50% off. Make your dog happy. That URL one last time, trynom.com slash focused. And thank you, Nom Nom, for all of your support of the Focus podcast. So Mike, what are you reading these days? Reading a couple of things. The one that I'm currently reading, and this is a little bit of a difficult read, uh, is Difficult Conversations Okay, uh, by Douglas Stone. And I say difficult read just because it's a 300-page book about how to have difficult conversations. Probably not everybody's favorite topic, but this is going to be a, a bookworm book, and uh, we're recording this one next week. So um, I have a guest lined up who uh, suggested this one, and I thought it looked interesting. And there's some really good stuff in here, but it is all very practical, and a lot of it is, I mean, there's a, a personal application uh, of it as well. You know, there's high stakes uh, conversations that you have with your kids or with your spouse, but 
Uh, a lot of this seems to be anchored in like a work context. So part of it is like, I wish I would have read this uh, before, um, but it's, uh, it's not a, an easy, like you just crank through it type of read. Um, I do have another one though, that I am anxious to start as, uh, or excited to start, I'll say, uh, as soon as that one is done. You mentioned Ali Abdal earlier. Well, he actually just published uh, his first book and it's called Feel Good Productivity. And I am curious about this one. I have no idea what to expect with this. I kind of think I'm going to go into it and sort of disagree with a lot of the stuff that he's going to say, but maybe that's, uh, maybe that's wrong. Um, I know just by going through part-time YouTuber Academy and watching Ali's story, you know, he went from being a doctor to a YouTuber and like, he's had a, a bunch of success and kudos to him for all of that stuff. I feel the name, the feel good productivity piece, this is kind of the pushback we get sometimes when we talk about focus is like, oh, well, it's nice for you guys. You can control your schedule, but yeah. the rest of us have to do stuff we don't want to do. So I'm, I'm kind of going into it curious about how he's going to tackle that uh, argument or that, uh, that perspective. But it does look like a, a good book and I've heard lots of great things uh, about it already. So I uh, like Ollie's kind of laid back very chill style. So I haven't started this one yet, but anxious to dig into it. Yeah. I'm going to let you be the canary in the coal mine on that one. If it's good, let me know. I'm I'll read it, but I I haven't uh, made my decision yet. Uh, Right now I'm busy reading a book uh, by a future guest. Marianne Wolf is coming on the show in January. Uh, She is a uh, cognitive scientist and, uh, and she is a, person who loves to read books and she wrote a book called Proust and squid like 10 years ago that i've always liked and and she has a newer book although this is one that's a few years uh only a few years old too called reader come home talking about the science of reading and uh, i wanted to get the book kind of digested before she comes on the show but it is a great book about how we read and how how our brains work when we read and just the idea that as another uniquely human trait is you know, we are not inherently given the ability to read, you know, like as humans, we know how to talk and communicate with other humans. We figure it out without any special training. Our brains are pre-wired for that, but reading it is not, you have to be, you have to set up the wiring, uh, as you learn to read. And, um, she goes through it and she's got a lot of stuff in here. I'm in the middle right now of a section where she's talking about the different um, circuits that are triggered when you read an electronic book versus a physical book, which has me questioning a lot, to be honest with you. I'm uh, one of the things I'm going to be doing, I believe in 2024 is probably reading more physical books because of the stuff that I'm reading in this book. And uh, I'm really enjoying it. It is very science heavy It is not an easy read, but uh, it is good knowledge. And uh, I'm really looking forward to having her on the show. Nice. Yeah. I'm looking forward to chatting with her as well. She seems like my kind of people. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And, uh, although one of the things she recommends is reading lots of fiction because of the things you learn from fiction. And I'm looking forward to smashing the two of you together about on that topic <laughs> when we have her on the show. So you're warned. Yep. The, uh, the other thing, uh, is I, I talked in the last episode, I got that big Epictetus book and I'm just going through and just randomly reading passages in it. So good. So good. I, I just love these ancients that uh, were dealing with the same problems that we still have. Uh, Mike, I really like talking to you about shiny objects. We don't do it in every show, but I thought today, since it's the end of the year, let's do it. And uh, 
lately I've been trying an experiment. Um, you know, these travelers, are you familiar with the traveler's notebook, Mike? I know what it is, but I've never actually used one. So I don't get why people are so crazy about them. I'm not even sure why people are either, but they're fun. It's a, basically it's a flap of leather and then Midori makes these unique sized paper inserts and uh, the inside of it's kind of ingenious. You can, with a fixture of elastic and rubber bands, you can put multiple notebooks inside of it. And I kind of like that part of it. Like, you know, I kind of have what I would call for lack of a better term, a commonplace book and a journal. So I could have both of them in one of these little books. And I like the idea of traveling with it, right? You know, if you're moving around, you've got your little notebook with your little journal and your, your commonplace in it, and it goes with you. Uh, but I haven't like decided to commit we're at the very end of the year as we record this show. And one of the things I do, which doesn't really make a lot of sense is I kind of like to hit January one with a committed stack. You know, that's the reason why I did the, the audit in the fourth quarter is like when we hit January one, whatever I'm using that day is generally what I want to use for the whole year. And so I was thinking, well, maybe this is the year that I get, a traveler's notebook and I try to use these traveler's notebook pages instead of my tote book pages for, for hand journaling. So I'm using one of those and I've been using it for a week. And honestly, I don't know as we record this, there's a few days left in the year and I still don't know which way it's going to go. I mean, it's, they're fine, but they're not like life changing either. They're not necessarily any better. I think the tote book papers may be a little better, but I do like the idea of being able to have, you know, multiples of these little, travelers notebooks that I can have different types of information in and, um, and carry them all at once. But I'm going to have to make a decision next couple days, but this is something I'm playing with right now. Life is too short to use crappy paper. Yes. Yes. But you know, (laughs) but if I was Indiana Jones, a traveler's notebook is how I would roll. And that, that there's a definite attraction to that for me, you know? So, sure. So we'll see. How about you? All right. Well, I have a shiny new object that showed up this week, but I had ordered it several months ago because that's how keycaps work. Yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> um, so I bought the extended 2048 dark keycap set. I just sent you a, a picture and uh, I'll put this in the, the show notes as well. Yeah. yeah. So the 2048 is a very sculpted i think it's an essay profile keycap set so they uh they are very well sculpted is the best word like there's definitely a different angle to the bottom keys than there is to the top keys and uh they sit up pretty high on the keyboard so you definitely kind of need one of these wrist rests if you're gonna do this um i have these in my keychron q1 and the 2048 is supposed to kind of model the old apple keyboard too which I've never actually used, but they just, they they are designed to look like a modern Mac style mechanical keyboard. So I've really liked this, these keycaps. These are the ones that I have had the, the light versions of these in this keyboard, the one at the co-working space, like every keyboard I've used in the last two years, three years, uh, whenever these keycaps came out, like I've put these keycaps on all of my keyboards everywhere (laughs) just because I like them so much. Yeah. Uh, but they came out with this dark set and you can see in the the picture that I've got this purple Q1 keyboard. So this is like a big aluminum purple keyboard 
And I really, really like these black keys. Uh, I didn't think I, after I ordered them, I kind of second guessed it and I'm like, oh, am I really gonna, gonna like the way that those look? Spoiler alert. Yes. I love the way that these look. <laughs> did you get the accents as well? I mean, the accents look really cool. So I did, I ordered, they have a separate thing on the website that says the dark accents. So I bought the dark accents. It's actually the light accents. It's the exact same thing. In fact, the accents actually came with four extra light mode, like the white ones for the arrow keys. So there is literally no difference between the dark accents and the light accents. And these are actually the light accents that I already had on this keyboard. Once I saw that they were exactly the same, I was like, well, what's the point of replacing them? Yeah. Yeah. But they've got kind of like the neon, they've got like the neon color command keys and option keys. I kind of like that. Yep. Yep. So they have those, uh, those colored keys. Uh, and they, there's more than that that comes with it. Uh, but those are the ones that I've chosen to use. I think there's like a different color for the tab key and the caps lock key. But the ones that I've used are like the control option and command in the the bottom. So those are red, blue, and purple, respectively. The shift keys are yellow. The escape key is red. And then the uh, enter key is is green. And I don't know if these actually look better. Like I do have the the black versions of these. I actually thought about just blacking out the entire keyboard, yeah. removing those those colored modifiers and just putting black keys all, all the way across. I think that would look pretty cool too, but I do like a little splash of color. So I don't know if I'm going to keep those, but for now they're, they're there. Do you, um, do you have the, uh, I mean, so I go back and forth on this. I've got also a Keychron keyboard that I get out and I can never keep it out longer than like a week. Because I miss like the the um you know the Apple Touch ID key, and uh, you know there's certain things I do with an Apple keyboard that you just don't get with these uh, mechanical keyboards. Does it? How did you get past that, Mike? <laughs> well, the the you just hit on the the biggest pain point, which is the Touch ID. Yeah. So the way around that, it's a little bit cumbersome, but I've got an Apple Watch, so when I unlock, it'll say you want to use your Apple Watch to sure. verify all that kind of stuff. And I'll, I'll just do that. And that works 95% of the time. Every once in a while, I do have to enter my, uh, my passcode manually, which is always annoying when it happens. So I get it why people would be like, no, nah, it's not worth it. Just give me the, the touch ID button. Yeah. But I just don't really use it. And then uh, I'm not always at the desk using this mechanical keyboard either. When I'm doing this, uh, I'm kind of in a focused writing mode. I'm not jumping back and forth between a couple different things. I've already unlocked my computer. I'm sitting down in Obsidian and I'm cranking out words. And I really, really like the mechanical keyboard for that. I can type thousands of words uh, and it's not anything magic or special about this particular keyboard or these specific keycaps. It's just, it feels really nice. And when you feel good about the tools that you're using, you can use them more effectively. So this is kind of the the sweet spot for me, and uh, I absolutely love it. Well, I'll, I'll get mine out again. Give it a try. See, maybe. The, um, the other thing that I miss is I have now started to use the globe key on the Apple uh, keyboard, which is right next to the control key for some keyboard shortcuts. So I'd have to rewire a few things. But, yeah, I don't know. Why not? I'm going to get mine out again. You always inspire me, Mike. <laughs> All right. Well, good for you, man. Uh, either way, listen, thank you for listening to the Focus Podcast. We're at the end of the year. We're very thankful to have you as a listener. Uh, this show is very special to me because so much of the stuff I do is about 
you know, technology and using the tech and, and being effective with it. But for me, the focus is a huge piece of it, like being able to stay focused. I'm a weird person who teaches people how to use technology, but I'm also leery of technology in a lot of ways. And uh, I feel like you're with me here on this journey, and we really appreciate it. So um, I hope everybody listening had a good 2023, and you're looking forward to an exciting 2024. Agreed. Thank you to our sponsors today. That's the folks over at Nom Nom and Vitally. Um, if you are a subscriber to the Deep Focus podcast, that's the extended ad-free version of the show, Mike and I are going to talk about analog and digital books. I have thoughts and comments and questions, so that's going to be what we're going to get today. But otherwise, have a great new year, and we'll see you next time.